Welcome to the D-Shift Podcast, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you transition from the challenges of divorce to discover the freedom and ability to live life on your own terms. Are you ready? Let's get this shift started. Hello, and thank you so much for showing up for another episode of the D-Shift podcast. And today I have Jackie Finneman, who is a phenomenal podcast host herself. She is a um, individual who works with parents to become confident leaders for their kids. She has a background in in-home family counsel as in-home family counselor and program coordinator. And she is also an author. She has written um, how many books now, Jackie? How many books are well, you? We've got one published, but two on the way. There you go. And uh, I happen to have a friend who was one of Jackie's original authors in her books. And I got to tell you, it's a fantastic book. I've I've seen snippets of it and I can't wait to get a copy of it myself. So, Jackie, take it away. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I know you do a fantastic thing with your no parent, uh, no parent, no problem parenting. Oh, my gosh, I can't even talk today. No problem parenting group and podcast. So, Tell us what got you started in this area. Well, thank you for having me today, Marty. You were on my podcast, the No Problem Parenting Podcast is what that's called. Uh, And I had you on and we just kind of got to know each other. And yes, we have a friend in common, Michelle Benio um, at Good Grief uh, Counseling and uh, yeah, or parenting, Good Grief Parenting. And uh, and so I'm just happy to be with you today. And no problem parenting is all about how to take a problem and turn it into a no problem. It's not saying you just say, oh, no problem. My kid's misbehaving, whatever. You know, <laughs> no, that's not what it means at all. But problems are meant to be dealt with and overcome. Yeah. It's right in the de- definition of the word problem. And so uh, after, you know, a good 20 years as an in-home family counselor and program coordinator for a nonprofit that specialized in working with kids with mental health diagnoses, I ended up leaving that career the company with a company that I loved, but really because I wanted to help parents in their day in, day out, actual real life struggles in their home outside of therapy. So I no longer do any clinical services. I'm strictly a parent coach, not strictly, I'm funly a parent coach, whatever that's. And uh, and for the past nine years, I've had my company, Hello World. And then in 2019, I created the No Problem Parenting online course and uh, No Problem Parenting program. So I can help you become the confident leader I say your kids crave you to be. We don't have to know everything as parents. We can't possibly know everything, but we can resource, right? And, as, and the more confident we are, about under uh, taking care of ourselves, knowing our limits, you know, getting the education we need on if our child's diagnosed with ADHD or if they're being bullied in school or if we're going through a divorce or you know, like we can become the more confident we are, the better our kids do. Yes. The more secure they feel. The less anxiety they have. You know, and so that's why I created the program. It's just a three-step program that's kind of a foundational program. So meeting you, Marty, I've already sent some people your way because I don't specialize in divorce. However, I can help parents with sort of that foundational mindset of what is it? What is your role as a parent? Mm -hmm. I often say parents are being too nice, too mean, or they're trying to solve a problem uh, that they know nothing about all on their own. Yeah. And they're too embarrassed or proud to reach out for support. Right. Yeah. So no problem. Parenting teaches three steps. 
Seek first to understand why is my child behaving the way they are? And why am I the parent responding or reacting, you know, the way that I am? So we want to get to the root of that. And then step two is to prepare for the worst. I think you would agree, Marty, everybody else that's listening would agree or watching would agree. The more we prepared we are for something, the better we handle it, the better we respond, the better we overcome it, right? Uh, and so I teach parents how to prepare for the worst, those worst behaviors that you dread coming home to, uh, that you know are going to happen day in and day out. What I kind of think of what's the worst thing that could happen. And then we work backwards from that. Yeah. Okay. And then step three is to change the conversation. I actually believe that we're giving our kids too much unconditional praise, so much so that they don't believe it themselves. And so then we look like to the child when we're pouring it on and saying, oh, you're so nice. You're so special. You're so good at school. You're smart. You have friends. Oh, you have lots of friends when they're like, I don't have any friends. When we're trying to convince them and pour on all this unconditional praise, we look weak. We look kind of stupid. Mm -hmm. Like we don't, we would never understand. And our kids end up in reverse protecting us from the negative thoughts and feelings that they're having because they don't think we're strong enough to handle it. Yeah. Or that will fly off the handle if we knew the real truth about them. So I teach and change the conversation. I teach a lot about conditional positives and conditional praise before we do the unconditional. So factual, conditional is factual. Tell them something factual that they can't really dispute. I love that. And you know, it's it's funny. I learn something new about people all the time. So Uh, Full disclosure, I was a behavior consultant for school districts for probably 12 years. And I worked with um, kids with mental health, behavioral health, and a a concurrent act of violence on a school campus. That was the criteria to get Mm -hmm. into that program. So so we have a lot of things in in common. So um, I'm really interested in what you talked about because I, too, am of the belief that you can blow sunshine up your kid's skirt as long as you want. And that doesn't make the sun shine. What it makes is it makes your child feel like they have to live an illusion that you have created for them. So tell us a little bit about what, why do you think this unconditional, you know, you have to pretend that everything's great. You have to say, like you said, a child that has maybe one friend, you have to say, oh, lots of friends. Like why parents today and maybe in the past as well, but I think more today. Why do you feel the need to make those kind of statements? Well, I think we just all want the best for our kids. And we we fear, we worry, we feel bad for, we feel sorry for. I mean, this has been since what baby boomer generation, right? That parents have tried to make life easier on their kids because they didn't want their kids to go through the same things that they went through. Well, it's even before that, really. But, you know, and and it's we're robbing our kids of opportunities when we do that, because the reason we are who we are as the parent today is because of our experiences. Now, yes, we would like some for some of us, we'd like our kiddos to not have to, you know, work harder, instead work smarter, right? Or to not have to go through some of those same things. So it's great to try to prevent some of that stuff, especially when it's a safety thing or a trauma or an abuse thing or, you know, something like that. But things happen. Right. And we shouldn't be protecting our kids and trying to make it better for them. We should be giving them the skills and the self-esteem and the self-regard to be self-reliant uh, and resilient and and send them that message that we believe they're capable 
of getting through the hard times. Right. So, you know, and change the conversation, I use a lot of empathy versus sympathy. We don't want, you give us, you give a sympathy card to somebody who's lost a loved one. We don't want to be giving our kids sympathy when they've lost a friend or had a bad breakup with their boyfriend or whatever. We want to give them empathy. Right. So empathy has a little bit of sympathy in it, in the, in the sadness, we can feel sad for them. Right. Mm-hmm. But we're not owning the sadness and feeling just as bad as they are. Right. We're here as confident leaders to be able to say, I know this is hard for you. I might even cry with my kid a little bit over something that's been really tough. And then it's my responsibility to help them lift up out of that, you know, that sad feeling or that worry or that anger. Right. And, and so here's something that tell me how you, what you feel about this statement. So I've heard, you know, we've all heard about the helicopter parents that's been around for a long time. And the lawnmowers. Uh, yeah. Lawnmower, bulldozer parents, you know, they just yeah. knock everything out of their kids way. Here's, here's what I see because I am starting to work. I'm, I'm of the age where I'm starting to work with 20 year olds that are now 20, 30 year olds that are like half my age. And so what, one of the things that I've noticed is that for a lot of these kids, because they've never had to problem solve, um, because they've never had to deal with the loss of something, the loss of a friendship, or, you know, everything's been made better for them or patched up or whatever terms you want to use. When they are going through things as adults, they have no experience. They have no foundation for how to handle it. They lose a job. They don't get hired. Somebody doesn't call them back they just, they crumble. And so is part of what you're teaching parents really helping them enable their kids to handle future life problems? Do you see that as kind of the role that confident leaders play in their role as parents? Yeah, absolutely. And um, confident leader, so it's it's about guiding our kids and there's different phases. I think lots of, lots of coaches and lots of people talk about this, how, you know, when they're really little, we're doing almost everything for them. Um, Even though they're the toddler age and they're the, you know, in the, in the terrific twos, as I call them, but a lot of people call them the terrible twos and the, the meltdowns and the tantrums, we're still doing a lot for them, even though they're starting to show their independence on, you know, I can, I can do things on my own, but as they get into those teenage years, we're really phasing between the teenage years, we're really phasing into the coach role. Right. Um, But oftentimes when parents don't shift to the coach role and they're still making everything easier or better or accommodating or convincing or coercing, you know, uh, kids, I think that's when we start to see that self-esteem really lack. And although the kid may appear, the teenager may appear to be doing really well because, hey, kind of life is easy for them. You know, if they have a problem or some mom and dad are going to fix it, they're going to jump in and solve it for me so they can kind of sit back. But what I've seen a lot, too, in those 20 year olds or so, uh, like you're talking about, Marty, they're bombing out in college. Yeah. And I, I it, it's, it breaks my heart. It used to just frustrate me. Now it breaks my heart when I hear about a parent calling up a college to talk to a professor because their kid didn't get a good grade or something like that. And I think, oh, my God, that person is that that 20 year old is never going to be employable. Yeah. You know, they're definitely going to have to be an entrepreneur on their own because nobody's going to hire <laughs> Hire them. So, you know, going back to um, I just think that we're robbing our kids and 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 I and it's not ill intended. Right. Parents aren't intent. They want the best for their kids. They're really trying sure. to raise, you know, great kiddos. Um, but the pendulum just kind of swung a little bit too far with not wanting our kids to ever feel 
the pain or repercussions of their mistakes or their actions. And, um, and so that's where I say oftentimes two parents are being too nice. Some of the parents that I say that to, you know, they're calling me super frustrated and defensive and, and embarrassed and, you know, but just, just downright, like, I don't know what else to do with this kid kind of stuff. And then they tell me all, all the things that they've done. And I'll say, I think I got this figured out. I said, I think you're actually being too nice. Oh no, no. We yell. They'll say, we yell, we fly off the handle all the time. Right. Probably, you know, probably do. But what did you do all the times before you blew your cool, lost your cool? You were convincing, you were coddling, you were giving in, you were, you know, stretching the limit. You weren't following through with, you know, the cause and effect consequence that you placed in front of the kid. And then they didn't do what you asked them to do. And you didn't uphold, you know, your end of the deal and provide that consequence. You went like another chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And then finally, you're just like fed up because they're not accepting your kindness and your, uh, you know, your your second chances and all that. So then you do just fly off the handle because you can't take it anymore. Right. If we are consistent and cause and effect and matter of fact, right in the beginning of a direction and we hold our ground, not being mean, because that's the opposite end, right? Is being too mean, telling your kid to jump and how high. Right. And not letting them have any uh, control or independence over a situation. Those kiddos turn out to do all kinds of sneaky, wild behaviors because when their parents not around it's like oh, oh, oh look my only my parents could see me now and it's like they they end up thinking of how how great it would be to get back at them right but um but being really consistent kids crave our leadership they just absolutely crave our leadership they don't like it all the time mm-hmm. uh i have so many stories i could tell you marty about even working with little kids i i, I sometimes help out at daycares and i'll go do training for uh, for daycares. And I had this one experience with this classroom of pre-K four-year-olds and they were just kind of wild, not listening to the teacher running, you know, crawling around, running around, not doing their circle time stuff and following directions like they should. And I kind of just stood up and said, Hey, everybody, like catch a bubble. And they were like, we don't do that anymore. You know, they're fourth four-year-olds. And it was like, I kind of felt like they were doing some preschool behavior, not four-year-old behavior. So I kind of, you know, caught their attention explained how things work when you get somebody gives you a direction you and I said I would give them a direction I'd say now when I say a direction I want you to say got it so I know you understand so I'll say everybody sit on your spot got it and they say got it and this teacher the couple teachers in the room were kind of looking at me like ooh, because they're super nice and sweet people right right and they kind of thought oh I'm not yelling but I'm being really firm and I'm just like exerting my authority here you know but I wasn't yelling And so they do that. And so we practiced and we did some things. And some of the kids that I redirected were really like offended by that. These little four-year-olds, like they had, like they were in trouble or something. And I had to say a couple of times to the kids, you're not in trouble. I just, we're practicing. When I teacher says something, what do you, you know, how do you, and it's not just about compliance, but we had to whip this into shape. Right. So I do all of this. And I said, okay, last thing before I leave, I said, Hey kiddos, um, we're going to practice getting in a line. Everybody's going to line up and you're going to go by Miss Susie, I'll call her. And Miss Susie is going to be at the lead and everybody else is going to line up. And I stood way back by the end of the line. Guess what happened? You would have thought because I was whipping that room into shape, right? Those kids would have wanted Miss Susie. No, they all, they didn't even line up in their line. They all wanted to be in the back of the line by me. Right, right. Because they could trust that I was a person that when I said I did. I followed through and I wasn't mean. I was I was guiding and leading them in a way that they could feel secure 
And even though they were not, they weren't sure, like, am I getting yelled at or not? You know, so anyway, then as that, uh, I'll just, I'll wrap this up quick here, Marty. But as that was about to get done, they had free play and they started to do free play. Again, it got super noisy. Kids were taking toys out, not putting them back. The room in like 15 minutes was a disaster. Yeah. And so I said to them, I, I said, oh, cleanup time. We're ready to be done. Thanks for letting me know. It's just too much right now, guys, you know. So they start cleaning up, which half the room did. And the other half, they were still kind of playing and messing around. So a little ways into it, I said, all right, everybody stop. And the kids that had cleaned up, I had them go sit at the table. They could start coloring. The other kids, I said, uh, you guys can finish cleaning up. And one girl looked at me and she said, no. Now, this was a girl who had rarely been in trouble. <laughs> right. right. So long story short, I had her go sit, take a little break. When I have kids sit, it's a break. It's not a time out and it's not a time in. It is just go collect your thoughts, right? 30 seconds to a minute. That's all they need. Invite her back in. She kind of got teary-eyed and she was really nervous about me doing this because she had never had to go sit, right? She comes back over. She finishes cleaning up as the kids were doing their thing. I said, hey, come here you know, for a second. I, I want to talk to you. So I looked at her and I said, and this is what I'm going to introduce to you now, Marty, before we end up going today. My free uh, technique that I'd like to share with everybody is called the make it right technique. And so I've got a free download. People can go to noproblemparents.com. And, uh, and get that. But I had her come over and I said, hey, so, you know, before when I asked, I said, it's time for everybody to clean up. What happened? Step one, what happened? She said, put her head down. She was really embarrassed. I said, sweetheart, you're not in trouble. I'm really, it's really okay. I said, I just wonder what happened. I said, no. I said, good job being honest. That's step two. Good job being honest. She was so confused and looked at me. But when kids are confused, they're curious. And that means they're in this part of their brain, right? right. Not the back part, fight or flight. And I said, so I was just wondering, what do you think you could do to make it up to me? Or what do you think you could do to make it right? And she kind of was confused and didn't know. That's step three. What are you going to do to make it right? Step four is, would you like some ideas? And she, of course, said yes, because she doesn't know me from boo yet, right? Right, right. You know what? I'm going to be leaving here pretty quick. And it I'd really appreciate it if you'd go open the door for me when I left. That would really fill my heart and make me feel good. Would you be able to do that? Yes, she said she would do that. And I said, all right, high five. Good job making it right. So I waited a little bit, about five minutes or so. And then I said, all right, everybody, I got to go. It's been nice meeting all of you. And they're waving bye, Miss Jackie, you know, all this. And they're, they're all great. And I didn't even have to say to the little girl, would you please go open the door for me? She ran to that door on her own, looked up at me with the, oh, I get goosebumps thinking about it opened that door for me and felt so good. And we high-fived on the way out. Right. So it's an example of how kids crave leadership. But if they start to tear up because you've, you know, rep reprimanded them or directed them to something or told them no or made them stop, don't feel sorry for them when they do that. That's the, you want them to feel bad from the inside a little bit. We don't want to punish, right? Yeah. yeah. But that we want them to recognize that that was not an acceptable thing that hurt somebody else's feelings or caused a problem for somebody else. So it ended up being the best thing. Those kids could not wait for me to come back the next time. And and I think I think what you just did illustrated like a gazillion behavioral um, <laughs> com components that we work on. But the big one was that the person who caused the this goes for adults as well. The person who caused the problem, the the hurt to the other person, needs to acknowledge it was their fault for doing it. Right. They need to acknowledge that they feel bad about it, and they need to acknowledge that they have the ability to make it right or to offer. Um, remuneration, whatever word yes. you're going to use in there. It is that sense of 
my, I have to take responsibility for what I did. Mm-hmm. And I am going to offer something that is going to compensate you for the pain and suffering that I caused you, which is what the civil court system is based on. Right. Yeah, right. But, but what I think we I, but what I think we where I think a lot of schools and parents and everybody else falls down on is that false saying I'm sorry makes it better. I'm sorry doesn't do jack shit. I'm sorry to oh. say that that abruptly, but it doesn't. I'm yeah. sorry only makes you feel better. Who you know, if somebody has wronged you, I I want somebody to make it right. I love that thought. And I what I liked is you never once had that child say, I'm sorry, because no, <laughs> I should have prefaced that, but it's actually the episode, I think it's 23 of my podcast. I talk about this, and the title of the podcast is I'm sorry isn't enough, or yeah. is it is not enough. Yeah, because what happens when two kids, let's say one kid bonks another kid over the head with a toy, right? We go over there and we say, we pull them apart or we take the toy away and we say, hey, now you say you're sorry. Yeah. If that kid was really mad, they're not going to, they're not feeling sorry. So they might say, sorry, and then look the other way. And then as adults, we say, oh, okay, that's good. Now you guys go on and play. Yeah. Well, the victim, the kid who was hit has not only been hit, they've been lied to. And, and what is that? An authentic story. Yeah. What's that? Well, we all know when there's a, when somebody's not yeah. giving an authentic story. Yeah. And Sorry. so what do we look like to the kids? Yeah. I mean, the kids know in their head, especially as they grow, they, they know that is like one of the most ridiculous things is like, oh, that's all I had to do. And you'll hear kids say that after a while, they'll continue to misbehave. They'll continue to hurt their friends, take things away, do whatever. And the minute they get caught, yeah. They'll look at you and then go, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. And they do it really quick because they think, okay, that's, that's all that the adult needs to hear. Exactly. Yeah. But this also works, like you mentioned with the adults. And so when we screw up as parents with our kids, when we end up flying off the handle and giving a really ridiculous consequence, like grounding a kid for a week or three weeks or something that somebody bought this this morning. If your kids are annoying and irritable and they're messing, why would you want to ground them? Then you have to be around them even more, you know, like there's got to be another way. Um, But um, but we can say to them later and you always use this technique after everybody is calm, Mm -hmm. the two of you, whoever's involved and later, usually hours, a few hours later. Um, little ones, you have to do a little bit quicker in the situation that I was just explaining. I was going to be leaving altogether and she may not see me for another week. So I had to take care of it right there, but, um, it's later. And so you can come back to your kid and you can say, you know what? The other day I was so frustrated, stressed, running behind late. And I snapped at you and I didn't mean to do that. And I should not have done that. That was, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. What can I do to make it up to you? Now, again, you don't have to say I'm sorry, but in that, when you are truly sorry, say it. Sorry is great to say, and it's not enough. We can add the, I'm wondering what I can do to make it up to you. And so then your kid, you and your kids can make lists of make it right, random acts of kindness that would fill your tank when you've been wronged or hurt, you know, or offended or something like that. And those can be anything from your kids going to a movie with you that you want to see. That's age appropriate. Right. Or to the grocery store with you without complaining and they're going to push the cart or to open the car, any door you when you're with your kid, any door during the week when you're with them that they're going to open the door for you. That one works really well with the elementary and youngers because, well, it works with teenagers, too. But those little ones will remember usually after a couple of days, the parent will forget and they'll go to open a door themselves and they'll kid will run up ahead. No, 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 mom, I'm making it right. And they'll open the door for you. Yeah. 
They sure so it's not just about consequences for make it right. Right. And and it's really that social justice. Um, yeah. you know, that and and the thing that I'm gonna tell you and any of my people that have worked with me, that works really well with co-parents or people going through divorce mm-hmm. as well. It's not just for parents and kids, it's for interpersonal interactions in the office, in the workplace, with your neighbors, with your spouse, with your family members. That that um that step process works with everything. Yeah. So Jackie, we have covered we have covered a wide range of behavioral issues. I love talking to other people who work with kind of positive behavior methods. So I really enjoy that. So tell me if you were or tell us um, if you were if I was to ask you, what is the top of the mind issue you would like people working with their kids to remember parents working with their kids to remember uh, from this conversation when they take out their earbuds, go on about their life? What do you want them to remember? There's so many things. What I think I like to say to parents the most is don't go it alone. If you have a question, you don't have to do months of coaching or counseling or therapy. It can be short. You can just, you know, but get somebody that gets it, that can understand you can, you can get support from. And when you don't have that, and if you don't have that, or you're still searching for the right person or the right resource or whatever, I want you to remember that on particularly rough days, when you feel like you cannot possibly endure that your track record for getting through those days so far is 100%. And I always say that's pretty darn good. That is so, a great, yeah. Keep, yeah. keep keep going, keep going. I get it. It's It can be so hard and you need a confidant. You need somebody that doesn't know you as well, you know, that uh, isn't going to just be kind and nice to you. They're actually going to support you through the good, the bad, the ugly, and all the, all the, all the things and empower you and lift you up. Yeah. Jackie, you are one of those people that can do that. So if people want to work with you or learn more about your program or um, catch your no parent, no problem parenting podcast, where should they contact you or how can they get reach out? The easiest way is just go to the main website, which is noproblemparents.com. If you put your name and your email in there, you're going to get a copy of that Make It Right technique, a free download. You can always unsubscribe later if you get too many emails. I totally get how that happens. We have a copy of the book on the website. There's a little tab that says book and there's a tab for the podcast, the No Problem Parenting podcast. So I have guests on all the time and I put my own episodes in there too about some of these fun techniques. Love it. And I am going to encourage you definitely listen into Jackie's podcast. I've listened to a bunch of episodes and they are fantastic. She has some really, truly remarkable people on her podcast. So Jackie. Like you, Miss Marnie. I was. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today, Jackie, and sharing all your wisdom and expertise. This has been phenomenal. Well, thank you very much for having me. Anytime we got to do more of this. You're so fun to be around. We do, we do. And thank you for listening into the D-Shift podcast. And I hope you'll catch the next episode. Thanks for listening and supporting the D-Shift podcast. If you would like to attend live trainings by our amazing guests and have a chance to ask questions and get answers from our experts, join the D-Shift crew. For more details and to sign up, head on over to www.divorcecoachforwomen and click on the podcast page.